Welcome to The GAC Files, a podcast about the people, issues and ideas driving Global Affairs Canada. Bienvenue dans les dossiers d'AMC, un balado sur les personnes, les défis et les idées qui animent Affaires mondiales Canada. And now, introducing your host, Global Affairs Canada's David Morrison. Et maintenant, présentant votre hôte, David Morrison, d'Affaires mondiales Canada. Peter Bean recently retired after a stellar 37-year career in the department. As part of his retirement send-off, we recorded an episode of the GAC Files in front of a live studio audience. We got Peter's parting thoughts and his parting wisdom. Peter, it's great to see you again, this time in front of a live audience. Um, last time we did the GAC Files, you were on the very eve of the G7, and, and what a G7 it was. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment, I hope, but this time you're on the eve of another significant event, uh, perhaps even more significant for you personally, and that's your retirement. Um, coming in 30 or 20, 48 hours or so, um, after a stellar 37-year career in the public service. Um, we thought it appropriate before we go into your formal retirement celebration here at uh, uh, Global Affairs Headquarters um, to ask you to take a couple of minutes um, to reflect on that career and particularly any messages that you'd like to pass on to younger colleagues or I should say more junior colleagues um, and in fact to all colleagues as they navigate the waters of work and life. So um, I looked at the transcript of our first session, uh, which was I think back in May or June, and you said to me that your career just kind of happened. You didn't have a grand master plan, but then you said many people think you always wanted to be ambassador to Germany. Which of those is is accurate. Das stimmt uh, überhaupt nicht. <laughs> um, David, thank you, and thank you for inviting me back. Um, and I really think that these GAC files, it's a good thing. Uh, we're, we're out there, we're showing that we're contemporary, and we're reflecting on people's experiences. And to the extent that uh, colleagues and others will listen, I, I think it's a great way to demystify uh, what it is that we do, and also spread the word that what we do, in fact, is very uh, is very exciting. Did I have a plan? No, I spent uh, I spent the first part of my career as a as a Latin Americanist, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and that was uh, that was terrific uh, for me. We had a young family at the time as well, and uh, for the for the kids and uh, being in Havana and uh, running around on the beaches, that was uh, that was great. And so was Costa Rica later on. So um, Germany. Uh, very, uh, very exciting, but I knew that the people who were selected to go there were uh, among the, uh, the most senior in the, in the department, and I never really had that as a, as a goal, although I did think, hey, it might be nice. And then it was Bonn, so um, uh, for it to be Berlin, even more exciting. Yeah, yeah. You, um, on, on this notion, though, of whether you should you know, deliberately plan and set goals or just kind of be open to, to what comes along. Uh, again, in the first uh, time we recorded the GAC files, your advice uh, 
to young people was don't be afraid, ask questions, think ahead. Is that is that still how you would? I think so. thinking of thinking of someone's career. I, I I'm spending a lot of time right now with people, uh, many of whom are are trying to become homs for the first time. So, yeah. how did you navigate? A lot of the navigation when I started was uh, was done for you. Uh, it was done because we were a very uh, closed group. It was basically all uh, FSs uh, in the uh, in the category. You had an assignment officer. I was an assignment officer once who you entrusted with the welfare uh, of your career and potential postings and uh, and the like. The competitions were in in groups or in batches. There never was an interview. There would be a group that would get together and go through all of the appraisal reports. If you had a supervisor who uh, could write decently and fill the margins with platitudes about you, then you were in really in pretty good shape. So a lot of that was automatic. It's, it's very different today because we're a much larger entity. Uh, we are amalgamated, so we've brought in different, uh, different strains and different streams. Um, when I joined, uh, the Trade Commissioner Service Integration was something relatively new, and that, uh, that took about a generation to become uh, effective, uh, I would argue. So the challenge I think that uh, newer people in the department right now have is to how do I fit into something that is amalgamated when I don't have an agent who is looking after my own welfare and I basically have to operate in a free market. So that's why um, I said in my, uh, in my parting message and also on, uh, on this program uh, that you have to take some risks, you have to get known, and you have to uh, be willing to look at, uh, at different, uh, different aspects. And frankly, be zen about it as well. Mm -hmm. I, I find, um, just to build on that, that the number one uh, missing ingredient when we're thinking about assignments is actually what the person wants to do where they are in their uh, career trajectory, where they are in their career aspirations, that was probably a role that used to be filled with conversations with an assignment officer. Now right. in a free market system, it's, it's really incumbent upon the, the candidate to, to make themselves known and make what they want known. And, and maybe that's where you were going when you were talking about don't be afraid, don't be, don't be shy. Peut-être on peut changer maintenant et, et parler un, un tout petit peu de, de la balance entre travail et vie personnelle. Um, you've always been known, at least as long as we've known each other, as a guy who has, I don't want to say not taken work seriously, but, but um, <laughs> a, a guy who has uh, successfully found uh, that that balance. Um, you talked in the first uh, time you were on the GAC files about having a special needs child. You talked about being proud of being one of the first ADMs in town to take the full parental leave uh, allocation. Um, male ADMs. Male ADMs. Um, where do you think that comes from? Where um, uh, it's obviously healthy, but um, was it, was that a set of conscious choices you made? And and again, what advice would you give to people in this room and others that will be listening to this episode? Uh, merci pour cette question, David. Uh, uh, je crois que le uh, le bilan entre la la vie personnelle et le travail c'est le défi plus grand que nous avons. Uh, 
ici. C'est pas seulement avec euh, les affectations, mais avec des, euh, des thèmes, des dossiers que nous, que nous menons. Euh, sont très difficiles, euh, très durs de temps en temps et euh, on doit travailler tout le temps. So trying to get that balance, um, I think, is, uh, is difficult. You, you have to have, if, depending, and it all depends on you, it depends to a great degree on, on what sort of a family unit or a spousal unit you are, or if you're on your own, uh, that's uh, just as important as, uh, as well. So striking the balance, it means you, uh, you have to explain uh, what it is that you're doing uh, at, at home and, uh, and why you're doing it and know that sometimes you have to um, do some, uh, some, take on some all-nighters. I recall chairing the Lebanon evacuation task force in July of 2006. We were here all the time. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Minister McKay showed up at three in the morning and uh, brought in pizzas for everybody. So, you know, you, uh, but you have to then balance that with, okay, I've just done something really big. I need to decompress. Right. And, and, and the decompression uh, part is, uh, is, is, uh, is really important. And I, that's what I've been advising people. Although after Charlevoix, I did send a, a note out on my new iPhone and I didn't notice the auto substitution and uh, uh, decompressing at the lake became decomposing at the lake. So <laughs> people were really, really worried about me. So uh, a bit premature, you retire first. You know. Do you think it is those challenges are more acute or less acute at post? Um, it's it's different. Or, uh, or is at, it possible? No, it's a really good question, David, because it can be it, it can be more acute in a sense at posting because you're in a much smaller bubble. Right. So you lose you lose your anonymity, and if you're having some challenges, and it goes to everything from uh, strife within your personal relationships to just exhaustion in your own mental health, people will notice it more. Right. On the other hand, at post, depending on where you are, you might have a, a closer support network because people will notice it. Yeah. Uh, at headquarters, you would have, again, if, if, if you're in a situation where you need counseling, you have uh, access to our counselors um, without being several time zones away, for right. example. Right. So I think it's a, it's a mix. It really depends on, on, on the situation. You mentioned mental health, and when I was thinking about uh, this chat today and your legacy in the department, that has to be at or near the top, the work that you have done as a champion, not only in this, in this uh, organization, but I think around town, as a champion for uh, more attention to mental health issues in the workplace. Um, how far do you think we have come, and what's left to be done? Uh, I think we've I think we've come a long way uh, in addressing mental health issues. Certainly, in my uh, younger years in this place, if you demonstrated any uh, any weakness or or you thought you were, you think you're cooked. You know, you you uh, you had to show that you were strong. You could do the stiff upper lip thing, and that's why people stayed in the office till uh, all hours. After that, of course, you could have your Blackberry for all hours, and you didn't really have to be in the office. But essentially, it was the, it was the same. You had to demonstrate that. And I think we've we've come some way um, in destigmatizing this. I recall when I wrote my first blog and uh, talked about mental health being important. I had a lot of people coming forward uh, to talk to me who had uh, who had issues. Some of them were the issues that were sort of uh, borderline. Uh, I wasn't promoted, uh, or I didn't get the posting that I wanted. 
that, that sort of thing that's affected my, my mental health, that's fine. But others were much more serious. I have an abusive boss. Uh, I'm being harassed. Um, I don't know whether I can handle being in a level five hardship uh, post. Uh, it's uh, tearing away at my marriage, that, that sort of thing. So people were, 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 were coming forward. And in conjunction with that, the clerk, it was the then clerk, Janice Charette, and then Michael Ornick continued, put together a very small group from the private sector and a couple, uh, couple DMs as well. I was on that group and we started to advise how we might, might look at that in terms of our, our HR processes. Uh, uh, we put a lot of emphasis on looking at training in the future and that's why I think it's really important that all managers, middle level and higher, all heads of mission before they go out, have a course on the mental health thing. I think it should be mandatory. I don't think it is yet, but I think we're moving in that, uh, in that direction. And that our executives in particular, and even those managers who are not yet executives who are at the middle management level, that part of their evaluation, part of their PMP or PMA has a reference to how they handled mental health. And that I think will put us on a, on a better track to, to sensitivity and destigmatizing this, this whole thing. Right. I agree, and my personal uh, take on some of this, uh, which I've developed since taking your old job as, as uh, DMA, is that a lot of the conversation now focuses on issues of, of uh, harassment and workplace well-being. I think those conversations are intimately linked. I think that the, the instances of uh, some of the instances that constitute harassment that I've come to see uh, since taking over my new responsibilities have attributes of, of some of the mental health challenges that the organization uh, is dealing with. And uh, obviously, um, mental health challenges can be exacerbated in non-healthy healthy working places with that too i would i would add we because it's being gradually destigmatized and more people are aware it also means we need to put more resources behind. right yeah and that is a, a challenge obviously for any uh, any department but we it means we need more counselors we need more money for training uh, all of uh, all of the above and that's where we cannot fall behind mm. How's the department um, evolved uh, for the better and for the worse in your time? Bon, mais si j'ai parlé du, uh, j'ai écrit quelque chose sur l'évaluation uh, de ce ministère uh, dans le contexte que nous avons parlé des, des ordinateurs uh, avant, uh, tout le monde a fumé dans les, uh, dans les bureaux. <laughs> It's not all we beaucoup, trop, pendant des réunions aussi. I would go to uh, to meetings, um, and I'd come uh, in our 500 rooms on the various uh, various floors, and people would be smoking, and I'd, I'd I'd be in there for a couple hours for a long meeting on an MC or something, and I'd have to really have my stuff dry cleaned mm. afterwards, and my my eyes would be aflame. Ah, those were the days. Eh? <laughs> um, so we, um, uh, I think we've evolved uh, a lot, and, and we have evolved because we now have, we have a 24-7 news cycle. Our political masters have to be attuned to that, so everything has to move very, very quickly. Um, 
with that too, uh, communication and the professional communication that we, uh, we undertake. Uh, we used to do uh, dispatches on my first posting in Cuba. They would go in the bag. They, was, they would be analytical pieces. And the telex was used for a report that was a bit more, more current. And sometime it would get to Ottawa in about a week or two, depending on when the bag went. And the desk officer would, would read it and then put it into the circular file. Uh, a shredder, uh, and, uh, and maybe there would be a, a, a something on the uh, that the Biko would uh, would pick up and uh, put on the uh, on the. How many people record. know what a Biko is? Oh, yeah. The front Everyone the front, front row doesn't count. <laughs> we missed the Biko. The Bicos were the the record uh, the record keepers. They would keep the paper files on uh, on everything. But in, in the, I mean, I think about that a lot as well. I was in Havana after Peter and we had the same regime. Of you had the same staff quarters. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Uh, we had the same regime in terms of uh, most of our reports went in a diplomatic bag. Um, I, I'm not as convinced as I would like to be that the practice of diplomacy is immeasurably better because we can send instant flash reports about everything. Um, if you as I once had to do as a third secretary, clean out the archives at the uh, embassy in Havana. I saw these beautiful numbered letters. My reports. <laughs> uh, well done. You know, but, but they were every couple of months with great analysis, uh, five or six pages uh, uh, that you couldn't get anywhere else. Anyhow, there's a, there's a, um, PhD thesis out there somewhere in the impact of technology on on what we do. Um, I don't want to let you uh, you leave without sharing a little bit with us about any regrets you might have. Well, I, David, I sent out a message to the department saying <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> so you're asking me no, to but do come a on, Frank come Sinatra on. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, regrets. I've had a few. Um, I uh, I wished I would have stayed in development longer. Um, two years wasn't enough, and doing the Sherpa bit while in development uh, off the corner of my desk um, did not allow me to devote as much time as I wanted to that. But then on the other hand, I wouldn't have been able to do what I've just done and uh, worked on the, on, the summit, uh, on the summit side and very closely with the Prime Minister. So you, uh, you, know, you, have, to, uh, you have to toss it up. I, I regret not having had a posting in Africa. I think that would have been fascinating. Uh, but I had great postings, so um, there's always the balance issue. Any particular posting that stands out as being especially great for the family or especially interesting personally? You know, I, I, I think they were all great, and I was reflecting on this as I was uh, writing my farewell. Um, uh, I cried leaving every post, mm. um, and if there's one thing that in the, in the Foreign Service we don't often recognize is that we have got some really great locally engaged people mm. all over the world uh, who sit there and they wait for the next crop of Canadians to, to come in and usually roll give their eyes two or three weeks before <laughs> it's this or that, uh, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, so, um, and, and you, have, you have postings at different times in your career and if you're fortunate, as I've been, and you move up to greater levels of responsibility, uh, the posting is, uh, is different. You, you see it differently. Uh, being ahead of mission can be very lonely. Mm -hmm. 
um, you're uh, you're on your own and you don't uh, uh, send a message to Ottawa or call Ottawa when you when you're thinking to you how would I handle this particular situation do I really need advice maybe not so uh, it's uh, it's different on the other hand when you're first starting out you you observe others very closely uh, including from other missions or even in your own and you try to find out what are the best practices how can I uh, how can I learn and if you're at a mission or somewhere in a division with a bunch of duds, uh, you're not going to learn very much. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I'm being rather candid. You, <laughs> but I'm leaving soon. You, you have license to be candid on your third last day. Um, you, you won't remember this, but I do, Peter. Uh, Peter was my boss in uh, 1995. The uh, first time I was in the department, um, and he was a great boss, by the way. Um, he was the director for G7 summits and I was a desk officer. I then left um, the department and I went to a place where I was instantly managing a, a team of 10, which then, which then grew quite rapidly. And I, just as, as Peter said, you, you find yourself in situations often having to do with people management, human resources, where you've never you've never run into this before and it got thrust on me very quickly and my go-to place was what would peter do that was that was where i always uh went and in a certain sense where i still kind of go when i have uh tough management challenges so of uh, that's my sort of legacy from from Peter, I know many of us out there have similar stories of how you have inspired us, how you have led us, and uh, I know I speak for everyone when I say how much we will miss you and how much we wish you um, a great new chapter. Well, thank you very much, David. I uh, appreciate your kind words, and certainly I've received a lot of messages in response to my news that I was uh, going to be moving, moving on. But I'm planning on staying in Ottawa, and I don't live that far away from the department, <laughs> so I can see who's keeping good hours and bad hours as I sit on my porch with a beer. So uh, about noon. Hello, uh, uh, merci, Peter. Merci, merci uh, à tout le monde. Hope you enjoyed today's discussion. If you have feedback or suggestions for future topics or guest speakers, please send David an email. Nous espérons que vous avez apprécié la discussion d'aujourd'hui. Si vous avez des commentaires ou des suggestions concernant de sujets futurs ou de nouveaux conférenciers, veuillez envoyer un courriel à David. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of The GAC Files. Merci d'avoir écouté le balado et nous espérons que vous vous joindrez à nous pour le prochain épisode des dossiers d'AMC.